in Luke 1, and in a little bit we'll be in Matthew 1, and we're going to be, the title of the message is When God Speaks. Actually, it's a topic that a lot of times we have trouble with, like, is God speaking to me? How do I know the voice of God? We're going to look at God speaking to Mary and Joseph. We're in our three-week series here on Extraordinary. Last week, Pastor Brian talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth, God speaking to Zechariah. Today, we're going to look at Joseph and Mary, and then we'll finish it on Christmas Eve with the, uh, the birth of Jesus story. And so... We're going to start with a video. Just direct your attention to the screen where we hear about God speaking to Mary. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. She was growing into a teenager and was living then in the obscure village of Nazareth in Galilee. She gathered the grain during the day and tended the lamp laid into the watches of the night. Her father knew the dedication of her work, her mother the kindness of her heart, her friends the curve of her smile. She stood on the threshold of womanhood. Among all the girls in the village, she had been noticed, chosen, betrothed, a child bride before whom lay only possibility. Her father could walk with pride in the city gates. Her mother could rest in the comfort of her daughter's future security. But then he came, unexpected, unannounced, spoke openly and without shame of pregnancy, virginity, and a son. Things men never discussed and women only whispered about behind closed doors. She questioned him about the particulars, but not about the promise. She knew the prophecies, and the angel's words rang true. She would be scorned and rejected, labeled an adulteress in whispers and glances. There would be no more carefree walks to the market, no more happy trips to the well. Four hundred years her people had waited for hope, but God had been silent. Now he had spoken. The wait was about to end. Forty weeks... And then, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us, right? So as we look further into this story of Mary, you're in Luke 1. Let's start in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Let's set the stage a little bit. Nazareth was a city about 70 miles northeast of Jerusalem in the Galilee region. It was an area that was kind of known for maybe some bad morals, kind of a rough town. It was, you remember, uh, I think it was Andrew that when they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? When they were talking about, you know, the Messiah, Jesus, and so forth. It was a town that had a bad reputation. So here's this young girl 
And in those days, they were uh, engaged at a really young age, like parents would arrange, they would, you know, the maybe close friends and so forth, they would put their kids together, say someday when they get of age, they will get married. And then they would get to a stage where they're getting close to the marriage age. And those days would be in uh, probably in the early teens, the mid-teen range. Remember, life expectancy was not as long. They would go into something called a pledge or betrothal or uh, espousal. There would be like, uh, it was a commitment. They would have a covenant relationship, but they would not come together as husband and wife. That would usually be about a year later. After they entered into that covenant relationship that where like Mary was pledged to Joseph, he would go off and he would then stay away and he would prepare a place for his wife. When you read through the Gospels, you'll, you'll see a lot of similarities to Jesus coming back for his church and, and book of Revelation about the marriage and the marriage feast and so forth. So this was a stage. Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. And uh, to, to break that pledge would have required a divorce. It was that strong a commitment. And then here, this angel, Gabriel, comes to this, we'll just say a very young girl with no notoriety. He didn't go to Jerusalem to a princess or anything to this girl and give this message. Now, we know in Scripture there's at least two angels that are given names. We know Gabriel here. And whenever you read about Gabriel, you'll read about him. Was, he was always bringing a message from God. And who's the other angel you'll hear mentioned? Michael. Michael is a warring angel. You would a lot of times see him in response to bringing a deliver, deliverance or a uh, answered prayer. Now, there are maybe some doubts that could be another angel in... in uh, uh, we sang one this morning, Hark the Herald, Herald uh, the Angel. Um, make sure you're still awake here, so good. No, I'm afraid there's no Herald, but maybe Clarence. You guys have all seen uh, It's a Wonderful Life, right? Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. So. But let me just say this about angels. Sometimes there's too much fascination about angels. All they are is messengers from God. All they are, we're, we're never to worship angels, we're never to put them in a high esteem, in a, like, a way. Now the Bible does say sometimes we might be entertaining angels and we don't even know it. They're here as God's messengers. I believe that we interact with angels from time to time, we don't even know it. Uh, the scripture says that he gives his angels charge over us, so I think they watch over us. There are such things as guardian angels. And, um, but uh, this angel gives a message. But the first point in today's message is this. Our extraordinary God loves to use ordinary people. What do you see in Mary? She's an ordinary person. Probably a hardworking person. Comes from a good family. You see that the, it's, the greeting was that you're highly favored. So she was, probably had a godly type of relationship, you know. Probably doing things right. And the Lord is with her. It's, this is a message. And so I think also there's, when you think about the type of people God uses in Scripture, He loves to use people like you and me. You know, you, you, if, if He chose people that were like all this very highly gifted, you know, all this high education and so forth, people might give the credit to all that. Instead, He loves to use ordinary people like you and me. 
I think he gets more glory that way. You think about the greatest king was a shepherd boy, David. And you can go down the line and look at the people that Jesus used. He didn't go get religious leaders, Pharisees or Sadducees to be his followers. He went and got some fishermen. That gives great hope for all of us, doesn't it? And you see him going to the city of Nazareth and and selecting a person named Mary with this message. So she was espoused to be married. But let's keep going. Verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled. And wouldn't you? (laughs) Angel appeared. Pretend tonight in your bedroom. You're all by yourself. And all of a sudden an angel appears. Some of you be like reaching for a handgun or something, you know, like, don't shoot the angel, okay? But Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Verse 31, you will conceive. Let's just stop there. At this point, Mary was not pregnant. That's an important thing. Because this is a pronouncement of what will happen, not what has already happened. It says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high God. The most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. When you see that in there, there's some references about David. And that's because of the promises that were given in the Old Testament about the Messiah coming from the lineage of David. We know there's two genealogies in the, in the uh, Bible. One in, in, as far as in the Gospels. One is in Matthew, and it relates to the genealogy of Joseph, and it traces it back to David. In Luke, most people believe that's the lineage of Mary tracing back to David. So they both had the lineage of David here. It's part of the promise that God had given. And which leads us to our next point, and that is our extraordinary God keeps his promises. There was a promise given a thousand years earlier to David that the Messiah would come forth from his lineage and would reign forever. God keeps his promises. If he's given you a promise, you can count on it. And this book here, the Bible, is Full of his promises. We can stand on those promises. Well, let's look at that, what that promise was given by God to David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16 says, Your house and your kingdom will endure, endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And that's what this angel was telling Mary about the Messiah, about Jesus coming, that he would reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. There's no other kingdom like that that will last forever, but the kingdom of God sure will. Verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? Now, this is a little bit different than what Brian was talking about last week. He kind of referenced this between Zechariah. Zechariah had a little more doubt in him, maybe some unbelief. How will I know for certain? Mary's like a little bit more like questioning, okay, um, I believe it, but tell me, how will this happen? So it's not unbelief. Mary's not questioning God, but she's trying to get an understanding of how it will happen. Why is that such a big deal? It's because, remember, 
She's a virgin. And this angel's telling her she's going to have a son. She's going to conceive and give birth to a son. Now, you ever think about why the virgin birth is so important? And, and you'll, you'll hear people sometimes talk about like, well, that didn't really happen. You know, that was just... The virgin birth is so important. It had to happen. Jesus had to be born to a virgin. The Holy Spirit had to conceive baby Jesus inside of Mary. Because had it been Joseph and Mary coming together, Jesus would have had a sin nature just like you and me. Our sin nature has been passed down between from Adam and Eve all the way down through human history. But when Jesus was there in that womb, he bypassed that. He had a, he had a different... He was fully God, fully man. I know that's a hard one for us to get our minds around, but that is exactly what happened there. So Mary's, Mary likely would have known the prophecy, and we'll look at it in a little bit. It comes from Isaiah 7 about that the Messiah would come forth from a virgin. And so she probably didn't like necessarily doubt it in a way, but like, man, how, how would this possibly happen? And I was, I was actually thinking about this. Do you know it's medically possible for a virgin now today with the technology that we have to have a baby? Think about it. They place embryos inside of, of uh, women all the time. And it's possible if somebody had never been with a man, they would be a virgin, and you could take an embryo, and the medical people could do that. I mean, it is possible. But in those days, they didn't have the technology and all that kind of stuff. How the Holy Spirit did it, we don't know. We can theorize. I've heard all kinds of different things and so forth. I don't know. Was it Mary's egg or not? We don't know. But here's what we do know. She was a virgin. And Jesus was placed there inside of her. And she would give birth. Verse 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. Some of your versions might say, for nothing will be impossible with God. So here's our next point. We can trust every word from God is true and will come to pass. What it, many times it might defy our logic. It might go beyond things that we can truly understand. But if God says it, it will happen. No word will ever fail. Now, Elizabeth, why did the angel mention Elizabeth? You ever think about that one? Why was it important Elizabeth? I think God was using that to build Mary's faith. Here's a person who's your relative. They think it was a cousin, much older. She was barren. She couldn't conceive. She's probably outside of the childbearing years now. And she became pregnant because God intervened between her and Zechariah. That wasn't a virgin birth, okay? That was different. But God intervened and allowed her to have a child. And she knew about it. Mary knew about it. I think God did that to build Mary's faith. And there's many times we need things in our lives to help us build our faith, don't we? Don't you struggle sometimes with your faith? Look up on the screen, you'll see a couple of ways that we can be to use to build our faith. Number one, by far the most important is the Word of God. When you're in the Bible, when you're reading, 
Your faith should be built up. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As we're in the Bible, we're reading these stories. We're reading stories about how God intervened in this situation and did this miraculous thing and how he worked in this person's life. And that should build your faith that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? So the first way is through the word of God. But then there's another way that sometimes we, we maybe overlook. And that is God uses the testimonies of answered prayers to build our faith. That when you hear someone who has had this big thing going on and we pray over them and all of a sudden you hear a good report, doesn't that encourage you? Doesn't that build your faith? I know in our community group, when we meet, we always have a time of prayer. And before we do prayer, we usually do some testimonies. What is God doing? And it's always so encouraging when you hear the, the prayers that we've been praying for someone and we hear how God answered those prayers. It's encouraging. It builds your faith. That's why part of the reason you need to be around other believers is that you're sharing your stories, you're praying, sharing your prayer needs, you're praying for each other. And as you're doing that, the prayer, those answered prayers will build your faith. We need faith in our life. We need to be able to, to, to step out in areas and be like, oh, I'm going to trust God, even in this most difficult area where there's a miracle needed. So verse 38. I... This is what Mary's saying. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. If you were to continue to keep reading, you'll find that Mary left and went to be with her cousin Elizabeth. But I love verse 38. Because what Mary's saying there, okay, I may not understand at all this whole virgin thing and being able to have a baby, Holy Spirit coming on me. But you know what? I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. Can you say that today? I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled in me. That's the attitude all of us should have as a disciple. If we're a true follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, this should be our attitude. I am a servant of the Lord, and may your word be fulfilled. That was beautiful words that Mary had. And obviously God did it. So here's our next point. I think this might be one of the strongest points of this whole message, and that's this. Our availability is more important to God than our ability. Let me say that again. Our availability is more important to God than our ability. You know what? There's many times where God is asking people to do things, take steps of faith, to begin to, to, to be... Use your gifts for the Lord, and you'll be like, nah, I can't do this, I don't have the time, I don't have the education, I, I'm not eloquent with my speech, I, whatever, whatever. God doesn't care about that. He doesn't care about your inadequacies. In fact, he loves to use people who have inadequacies. Use me right now. <laughs> I have a lot of inadequacies. I'm a testimony of God can use anybody, amen? amen. But you know what? You said that a little too strong, I don't know. But you know what? Here's the thing. God loves to get glory when he uses ordinary people who are just saying, here I am. Send me. Use me. Many times I've taken steps of faith like, I don't understand God. I'm going to fail miserably in this if you don't show up. But as we take those steps of faith, God is right there to meet us. Some of you have been sitting on the sidelines 
with your excuses about why you can't do this, why you can't do that. And what you're doing is you're looking at your abilities. God's saying, I don't, I don't care about that. Remember, I can do anything. Nothing's too impossible for me. I just want your availability. Are you making yourself available to God today? I'll give you a real tangible one right now. You should probably all have some, some, some flyers, some, some of the uh, invite cards for Christmas Eve. They look like this. We've got them all around the place. Could you go and take some to some people that you know are unchurched, maybe away from God, and just invite them to come to church? Well, what if they reject me? They're not rejecting you. They might reject God, but they won't reject you. Be available to God. Whatever he might be speaking to you, it can be so simple. Just praying for somebody that you know is going through a difficult time. When you say, let me just pray for you right now. It doesn't have to be huge things. We just talked a moment ago about going on a mission trip to Africa. For some of you, that might be what God's speaking to you is going on a mission trip. For others of you, it might be going across the street. Don't put limits on what you can and can't do. Our availability is more important to God than our ability. So how is God speaking today? I believe God is speaking a lot today. You know, you know, there are some Christians that believe that once the scriptures were finished, God's not speaking to us anymore. I don't believe that. He's, he's, he's been speaking in so many different ways to different people. But God is speaking today. And I'm just going to show you some things. We're not going to, this is not an in-depth teaching on the ways that God speaks we just saw one of where he was speaking to Mary through an angel. But let's look here. The primary way that God speaks to us today is through the Bible. That's his word. When we open the Bible, God opens his mouth. And we can hear him speak through the word. The Holy Spirit, still small voice inside of us. That's God speaking to us. So what? When he's saying, no, don't do that. Or, you know what, say something, or give that person a call, or text this person and tell them you're thinking. Of, you know, that's the Holy Spirit putting those things in. And, and sometimes we don't even recognize it as God, but God is guiding us. If, if you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's speaking. Through the teaching of God's Word, I pray that God is using me today, that he's speaking through me into your lives. And he, he does that not just through pastors. He does it through small group leaders and anybody who's teaching the Word. You might be listening to somebody on a podcast or on the TV or whatever, through other Christ followers. People giving a word of encouragement, different gifts of the Spirit that God is using through other Christ followers into your life, that God be speaking to us. Maybe a prophetic word. Through dreams and visions. God does that. I could share an example of that. I don't have time to go into all these in detail. And through circumstances and creation. Sometimes through circumstance, God is guiding us. He's speaking to us with closing a door or opening a door. The book of Romans says that we're without excuse and even believing in God because the attributes of God are found in creation. Now, here's the thing. I was very brief. Some of you might want to go into this in more detail. We have a wonderful couple here in the church. They've actually written a book on you know, hearing God's voice and God speaking to us today. They've been doing small groups here, and they're going to continue to do it, and they have a new one starting in the end of January, and uh, I think it's uh, something to do with about God speaking and so forth, and they meet at 9 o'clock 
on a Sunday where you could do a small group at 9 o'clock and come to church at 11 o'clock. So if you, can, if you want to do more detail of it, uh, it'll be on our website under small groups. Now I want to tell you, I want to show you a picture of the main way that God speaks to me. And I have a photo. This is in my office at my home. There's my old, worn-out IKEA chair, 20 years old. And you see my Bible, you see my journal, you see my cup of tea. That's my routine every morning. Don't miss it. And if I'm traveling, I do it wherever I'm traveling at. This is where I spend my time with God, my quiet time in the morning. I start and I journal. Why do I journal as I'm reading the Bible? I'm expecting God to speak to me through his word. Something that's worth writing down. And I have so many of these journals over the years. I could go back and every once in a while I'll pull one off a shelf and just look at old ones about 10 years ago. What was God speaking to me 10 years ago? Or what was I praying for? I, I write some prayer things in there as well, things I'm praying for. And it's fun to go back and say, wow, man, God's answered those prayers. We all need a place where we meet with God. Do you have a quiet place? And I remember when the kids were younger and they were in the home and it was noisy. Sitting on where that tea is, I had little earplugs. I'd stick the earplugs in so I could drown out the noise because I wanted to hear. See, we need a quiet place. We call it a quiet time. Some people have their quiet time when they're driving to work. Well, you know what the roads are getting like here, don't you? You're getting crazier all the time. Can you really have a quiet time when you're driving around here anymore? People cutting you off, people stopping quickly, people not leaving the lights when they should and all that. No, you're going to be all frustrated. You're going to be angry. Now, play some worship music. You can do a time of prayer. But we need a lone time. Now, I need some people, too. They say, oh, I always, we do it as a couple. Well, let me talk about that for a moment. That's nice. That's a bonus. But you, it's a personal relationship with God. So I'm going to challenge you married couples that are just doing it with, together as a couple. That's a bonus. What I would suggest to you is have your own individual quiet time, and then you can add that as a bonus where you do it with your spouse. You know, Barbara and I will pray for things together at different times, but when I'm in my office doing my quiet time, she's in the living room, she's doing her time with God, and we have our own individual times with God. So important. Now, let's keep going by turning to Matthew chapter 1, and let's look at Joseph here. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. So we saw, we saw how God spoke to Mary. He's going to speak to Joseph. It, says, it starts in verse 18. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. Let me just stop there. Somebody else was telling me how the birth of Jesus took place. They were actually telling me this during the 9 o'clock service, before the service. Do you know how the birth of Jesus took place? Uh, it was uh, Emmanuel Labor. I had to use it. It was a good one. It, it fits so well into this sermon, too. Anyway, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. We've already talked about that. But before they came together, and you all know what we're talking about there. I don't need to explain. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. So you see some character things about Joseph here. 
and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That's began because that pledge was such a strong thing when they were espoused. They were, they were, it would take a divorce to break that type of relationship, even though they hadn't come together yet. I think you see some character issues in Joseph, though, that he, didn't, he wanted to do it quietly. Imagine what you were going through if you were Joseph. Like, this woman, she's cheated on me. She's betrayed me. I mean, he didn't buy it that it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know if he even knew it at this point, but he just knew she was pregnant. And probably going through his mind was, how could she? So he's coming up with his plan. But look at verse 20. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You know, as I was meditating on that, as my studies of this, I was just thinking... How often it happens where we get an idea, we, we come up with this plan, and then God steps in and changes it. Does that happen to you? I know it happens to me a lot. And I was thinking of this verse. I think it fits very well in a verse from uh, Proverbs sixteen nine. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. I love that about God, don't you? That we can sometimes get it wrong. We can have the wrong plan. And here's what I really believe. As Christ followers, here's what our attitude should be. As we're praying about something, we should be always lifting our plans and say, God, you can intervene at any time. You can change this. If I'm outside of your will, if I'm about to do something that's not your perfect will, Lord, change it. But sometimes people get so dead set in their way, they don't even want to pray in case it might not be God's will. I've made my plans. Don't change it. Or God, just bless my plan. But man plans, okay, it's good to plan. But then the Lord determines the steps. Joseph had his plan, but now God's going to intervene. Which brings us to our next point, is that our extraordinary God can step in and intervene at any time. I love that about God, that he loves us that much, that he he involves himself into our lives as a way to protect us, to guide us. And you might say, well, sometimes he didn't do that. Well, I don't understand all those situations. Sometimes there might be a lesson to be learned, or maybe there was a time where we were resisting him so much or out of relationship with him. But when we really pray and ask God, I think he wants to intervene and step in. We also see here in verse 21, the primary mission of Jesus is to save his people from their sins. So that's our next point, and that is this. The primary mission of Jesus is to save us from our sins. And why do I want to take time to camp out on this for a moment? Because the primary mission of Jesus is not to give us a wonderful life. Oh, give your life to Jesus and then you're going to have this wonderful life. You know what? Sometimes it might not go so wonderful. Oh, you're going to have a better marriage. You know, you might give your life to Christ and your spouse might not agree at all with your Christian faith now. And they might walk out and divorce you. Oh, you know, if you give your life to Christ, you're going to be successful in business. You're going to have more money and all this kind of stuff. Well, what happens when it doesn't? Sometimes people get this mentality 
And when that doesn't happen, they're like, oh, this Christianity thing doesn't work. It's, 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 it's not happening. I, I must be the wrong path. I've, I've seen people walk away from their faith because they had a faith that was built into something that was not real. So what we have to do is make sure we understand the primary mission of Jesus to save people from sin. Why is that so important? Because we had a broken relationship with God. Sin separates us from a holy God. And the only way, the only way we can have a relationship with our Creator is by our sins forgiven. And the only way our sins could be forgiven was when the perfect sacrifice of Jesus as God in the flesh came and died for our sins. And he cleanses us of all unrighteousness as long as we put our faith and trust in him. That he paid our price. So either we pay for it or he can pay for it. And I tell you what, I'm not that smart, but I know one thing. Having him pay for it is a whole lot better than me paying for it. Amen? So that's the primary mission. Don't ever forget that. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what God had said through the prophet. And here's that prophecy. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. We see that passage here in Isaiah 7, verse 14, where it says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And throughout the Old Testament, God gave a lot of signs so people wouldn't miss the Messiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will name him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, sometimes it's spelled with an E, Emmanuel. It means God with us. I'm so thankful for God being with us. He didn't come to establish a new religion. He came to live with us. You'll see the verse from 1 John 4, 4. I love this one. I say this one a lot. It says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. Talking about the things of this world. Because the one who is in you, that's talking about God in us is greater than the one who is in the world. We have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus living in us. He is with us. He is truly Emmanuel. It's not just a title. It's more of a description of what he's doing in us. And then verse 24, 25, let's go. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. What do you see in verse 24 and 25? Complete obedience. Just like Mary obeyed, I'm your servant, fulfill your word in me, same attitude of Joseph. Okay, I'm going to go take Mary home as my wife now. You know, but he did not consummate the marriage. Some of you were, tr- some of you grew up in, in a, in, church backgrounds where you were taught that Mary was a perpetual virgin? That's not according to Scripture. That's, church, that's a church doctrine, but that's not according to Scripture. In fact, look right here at verse 25. It, it proves it right here. It says, But he did not consummate their marriage, you know, coming together in sexual intimacy, until she gave birth to a son. And in Mark 6, verse 3, we know that Jesus had other brothers and sisters. They would have been half-brothers and half-sisters, okay? But he gave him the name Jesus. Now, when you think about when God speaks to us, we have a choice, don't we? And I kind of put up on the screen here three things, three ways that we can look at this. Number one, which is the best, is that we can believe what you saw in Mary and Joseph and obey. 
That's the best. You have to believe. You know what it takes then to obey? You've got to have faith. That's kind of in between there. That's, the, that's that in between. You believe and you obey. Some people, though, they disbelieve. And you'll find examples of that in Scripture. You'll find that in people around you. They disbelieve. I can't believe that. Uh, there's no way. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. I mean, remember the rich young ruler. Jesus called him to come and, and to follow him. Sell, you, sell what you got and come follow me. And he didn't believe. He didn't do it. He didn't obey. And he walked away sad. He could have been another disciple of Jesus. But he disobeyed. He did not believe. And this one is also very sad to me, number three. And I, I sometimes as pastors see it in the church with people that we love and we minister to. They believe and then they disobey. They know what God says. They agree with it. But they don't do it. Don't be one of those people either. God is calling us to obey through our belief by believing and obey. Don't just believe. This is where I was at before I became a Christian. I believed in God. I believed I had known scriptures. I could quote scriptures. But I had no obedience to those scriptures. I was living a very immoral life. The very Bible was telling me how to live. I was not doing it. Of course, I didn't have Christ in my life. I didn't have the power to say no to sin like I do when the Holy Spirit came in my life. So this is what God has called us to do. Believe and obey. Now, as I get ready to wrap up, I just want to share how do we, some things, very practical things, kind of a summary of hearing God speak. Number one, have a personal relationship with the Father through Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, your sins are not forgiven, and you don't have that relationship with him, the first thing he's calling you to do is have a relationship with him. So that's the first thing to obey. Don't start obeying other verses until you give your life to Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. And so for us to hear God, we have to have that personal relationship with God through, the, through Jesus. Next is we need to prioritize time to be quiet with God. We live in a very busy life, a very distracting life. Remember the parable of the sower and the seed, this, the seed representing the word of God. There was the one with the weeds, the thorns, and it choked them all out because it was so distracted with the things of this world. Unfortunately, that's where many American Christians are at today. They're so distracted by the things of this world that they don't take time to be quiet and hear God speak. He's speaking. Are we listening? Next, when we take that time to be quiet, we have to also have the right attitude. Be open to hear and obey. Don't make it a checklist like, oh, I haven't had my quiet time. I checked that off the list. Were you open? Were you obeying anything that you're reading? You have to be open to hear and obey. These last two points, sometimes it's confusing. Like, am I... Is this God speaking to me or not? And so I've added these because I think they, they help me practically. As we pray, God's message is consistent and gets stronger. If we hear that God's given us a message, something he's wanting us to do, it's just going to get stronger and stronger and stronger with time. It's not going to be like, we're going to do this this one day. Oh, now no, we're going to go over here. And I remember when Barb and I were praying about where we were feeling called to leave Iowa. We were praying. I was 
praying about California, I was praying about Tennessee, and then we started praying about Florida, and it was just Florida, and it was Florida. And then it was like this stripe across Florida went from Tampa to Orlando to this coast. And we never had been to this coast, but we'd been to the other places. But it was just like, and it wouldn't go away. It was just getting stronger and stronger. And we ended up on this coast. And then the last one here is God's will, his word to you, will help you grow spiritually to be more like Jesus. I guarantee you this. He's not going to call you to do something that's going to take you further away from him. If you're potentially praying about this, is this you, God, to marry this non-believer that doesn't love Jesus and, and will live a very immoral life? Is that you? I can tell you, no. First of all, the scripture contradicts that it would be. But also, look at the things you're praying about. Will they help you grow spiritually? Will you become more like Jesus as a result of it? You know, if all of a sudden, oh, I can make a lot more money with this job, now I'll never be able to go to church. I won't be able to be with my family much, but boy, I'll make a lot more money. Does that sound like God would be like? But people make these decisions all the time because they're motivated by the wrong things. So this is really important to ask, will this help me grow spiritually to be more like Jesus? Now, it will cost us to obey God. It will cost us. It costs Mary. It costs Joseph. Uh, we know, in, in uh, we were just studying through the book of John, there were times where they, Jesus was being accused of being illegitimate. I'm, I'm sure that people spoke about Mary and Joseph, like, oh, yeah, that was a you know, couple that had the baby. It was conceived out of wedlock and so forth. Uh, Joseph had his rights. He, he had to wait, you know, to be with Mary. You know, he probably had feelings that had to be given to God. He, you know, feelings like, did she betray me? Is this really from God or not? It costs you to obey God, but let me tell you, the rewards are so much greater. Think about this. What if Mary and Joseph would have said no? What if Mary and Joseph were not? We wouldn't be talking about them today. God would have used someone else. We could today be talking about Fred and Ethel. You know? And you know what? For us, sometimes, if we say no to God... God may use someone else, but we there's a cost to obeying God, but oh boy, is there a reward to obeying God. Here we are, 2,000 years later, reading about Mary and Joseph, and just think what they got to do. They got to bring Jesus into this world, the Messiah, the Savior. What a great privilege they had. Now, they lost them at age 12, but that's a whole other story. But what a great privilege. When we obey God... There is a great reward to it. Well, we're going to go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that you are speaking to us today. I pray that you'd help each and every one of us as Christ followers to hear your voice, to help us take steps of obedience, that we would have the faith to obey. I pray, Lord God, that we'd make ourselves available to you, that you're looking for ordinary people to fulfill your work here on this earth. And I pray for anybody who's having trouble just hearing your voice. Open their spiritual ears to hear your voice. And I pray right now for anyone here who is not in a relationship with you yet. I know what you're speaking to them is they need to give their life to you. And I just pray right now, Lord, that you be speaking to them right now 
that today is a day. They're, they're tired of sitting on the fence of maybe believing but not obeying, that they know they have a choice to make and they need to believe and obey, that they need to surrender their life to you. And while heads are bowed, I'm just going to ask, if, if that's you today, you know you, it's time, you've been running from God long enough, you've been, you need to surrender your life to Christ and you want me to pray for you, just raise your hand up high. Love to pray with you. Right there in your seat. Not going to embarrass anybody. Lift your hand up. Okay? Others? Okay? Balcony? Okay? See up there? Others? Okay? Good? Good? You're not joining a church. We don't even have membership here. What you're saying is, God, I want a relationship with you. I need a relationship with you. I need my sins forgiven. Anybody else? One more moment. We're going to pray. Okay, you can put your hands down. Let me just lead you in this prayer. Just pray this under your breath. You're praying it to God. It's not about the exact words of this prayer, but it's about the meaning of it in your heart to God. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner, but that Jesus came to this earth to save me from my sin. That he died on the cross and rose from the dead. And I put my faith in you, Lord. Please forgive me of all my sins. I want to follow you from this day forward. Please send your Holy Spirit to live in me as I change my old way of life to begin to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. 